Hi, welcome to this episode of Hello Church, episode 30 of Hello Church. The big one. So the, <laughs> the big one, the milestone. The uh, milestone. Whatever, you know, birthdays and anniversaries, 30 is always the largest of Man. all. Uh, so we are reaching middle age. We're officially, here. yeah, we're officially <laughs> over the hill. <laughs> over the hill on the podcast. And Justin, I'm really excited about this podcast episode because this is a topic you are passionate about, and that's first impressions in church. Yeah, well, the question is, how do you get guests to, first-time guests to show up at your church, A, Mm -hmm. and how do you get them to stay engaging, keep coming back? Yeah. And and really, it's it's about one thing, one thing only. It's about building trust. Mm. And the question I have is, how long does it take to build trust Mm -hmm. with a person or an organization? Like, uh, scientists say that you make snap judgments of people, right? within milliseconds. Mm -hmm. But how long does it take uh, an organization or a person to build trust? How many interactions? Like if we we could quantify in interactions, how many interactions does it take for you to, you to build trust with someone? Is it five, one? And it feels like now, especially uh, in America today, that churches and pastors are not starting at the starting line. We're starting 10 or 20 feet behind the starting line. Because pastors and churches, for many people, are not seen as an authority anymore. And there's some great sure. statistics from Barna, and I think in Christianity Today posted a great article a few years about this, but do people trust pastors and churches anymore? And that's becoming less and less because scandals, uh, because of individualism. Helicopter offerings. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that we could go to. And so when a person is considering church, there are a number of obstacles that they have to go through to even to even consider going to a church, let alone physically visiting a church. Yeah, well, and, and let's think about that, right? So how many visits, mm-hmm. let's say there's a new family in your community, they have two kids. One one kid is in children's church age, and one kid is in nursery age. How many visits will it take them to develop trust trust with your uh, church, mm-hmm. with your congregation? All these processes and these systems and these security protocols. How many visits will it take for them to let their guard down, where they're not worried the entire worship service about whether you know their son's diaper is being changed mm-hmm. often enough, or their daughter is nervous, or there's enough volunteers in kids' church? Is she afraid? Like, how many times? And 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 to your point, they're they're less skeptical about the guy preaching on stage. How many times? How many visits does it take for them to? build trust with or your your congregation your church to build trust with them is it five visits Mm -hmm. is it 10 visits and when you think about that too uh i mean barna has produced some great studies too and i think this is sort of universally known like people are attending church less and less Mm -hmm. especially during 2020 yeah but even before that right uh what was it regular church attendance if i believe correctly was like two times a month yeah and that was like that wasn't like just your the bottom of the barrel people. No, it was that like, was like you know average. People on average attend about twice a month. So let's say they're a new family in the community, mm-hmm. and they're not even your average. They're just trying to get their feet wet a little bit. Is that yeah. one time a month? Mm-hmm. So let's say it takes five to ten interactions. Is that five to ten months that mm-hmm. it takes to build trust with this new family in your community? That's a long time. Oh man, and. I feel like too if you're if you're talking about families with kids and um, just 
Well, first of all, you're thinking about the safety of the kids. I remember uh, there was a period where I was in between ministry jobs and I'm working here at Ministry Pass, but I wasn't a pastor anymore. And so I visited a lot of churches for six months and going uh, to churches and dropping your kids off. Like it's, it's not easy. I remember going into one church and there's like one room for kids two to five and there's a single toy in the middle of that room, and I walk it's in. Like, it's like Hunger Games, and, and they're yeah, they're all the just, just just attacking that toy. And there's this one gentleman, and he's like, "Oh, uh, it's it's as if nobody visits the church because he's like, oh, uh, I think there's a maybe a form you should fill out." And he's you know going through all and this, the, stack and they're of, like <laughs> overly excited to see children. Yeah, yeah, they're like, like hey, oh, "Wow, young family! Look, Sister Papoofnik, we got some kids here today." <laughs> So it's just just that alone, um, thinking about that, but then also thinking, okay, uh, not just safety, but are my kids being taught God's word? What are they being taught? What am I being taught? I mean, there's so much just there to build trust with a congregation. What's their philosophy? Because everybody has, there are a lot of churches that have similar belief outlines on their website and what they're committed to and values, but you, sometimes it's hard to actually know if they're committed to that. Um, and so this this kind of bleeds into uh, digital impressions because you've talked in the past about how a digital impression could help as you build trust for that physical connection. Well, yeah, it goes back to this idea that if you can build trust with someone before they ever show up at mm-hmm. your congregation, you can not only, uh, this is great, A, right? for you to develop that that relationship before they ever visit for the very first time, mm-hmm. help them know what to expect, but also you can accelerate that process of building trust. So instead yeah. of taking 10 months, it can maybe even be two weeks. And, and, and one of the ways that you can do that is by offering helpful resources to very specific uh, audiences. And, and let me back up. So you you have people that come to your website. I believe the biggest opportunity for churches right now is to leverage the visitors on your website and on your social media pages. Um, it's a great opportunity to begin the trust building process right then and there. Here's what I mean. So let's say you stand at the edge of your church property. You stand right next to the church sign. There's a road and you can see cars driving by. Mm-hmm. You see them, right? You can count the cars. Maybe there's 20 uh, every five minutes, maybe you're on a busy road, there's a few hundred every you know, 30 minutes, there's hundreds to thousands of cars traveling by your church every day, right? And you can see them, you can count them, but, but you don't know who they are, you don't know their story, you don't know their background, you don't know their marital status, you don't know their religious upbringing, their social status, their financial um, status, you don't know any of yeah. that, right? And, and, and so how can you, um, really help them if you don't know a lot about them. And the same thing is true of our our website visitors, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing, it's quantitative data. You can look at your Google Analytics or if you have some sort of uh, church platform that shows you how many visitors you got. It's like, oh, we had 962 visitors last month. Great, right, it's quantitative data, but you'd know nothing about them. So one of the ways that you can build trust is you, you can offer things specifically to certain types of people certain types of avatars, so to speak. And when they engage with you, you can begin to build that trust process. Let me, here's what it looks like. Let's say you offer a free resource on your website, five Bible stories to share with your kids. Mm -hmm. 
and it's a free PDF, right? It's, it's an ebook. It's a download. Maybe it's a video series. It could be whatever, but but the concept is there. Well, you make this for free on your website. In in order to do that, though, they have to give you their email address, which is a pretty common practice for in the business world. You you guys, if you're watching this, you've probably signed up for some sort of coupon code yeah. at Gap. We know who you are, or or, or you signed up for Ministry Pass, and that's how you yep. got an email there to this uh, podcast. And then my wife always signs up for like the you know twenty dollars off Bed Bath and Beyond. Got to input your email address. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've all done it, right? <clears throat> but churches don't don't use this tactic, and I think it's a missed opportunity because. If you offer this free resource and someone gives you their email address, you know a few things about them now. You know that they're parents, they have children, that they care about uh, teaching their kids about the gospel. Now you can send them an automated sequence, right? You can can preload your email uh, sender with seven to 10 emails over a month period or or, or five emails over a few weeks. And you can begin to highlight your children's ministry. You can- Your uh, check-in process. Your (laughs) check-in process, Pictures of of your children's area that has more than one toy. Right? (laughs) Uh, You could uh, sort of help them with their expectations. What what can they expect when they visit? What can they expect when they check in their children? Mm. How long are the services? All of these things that parents have, these questions that parents have, all of these things go to build trust and to lower their guard and go, you know what, this is this would be, because a lot of times, right, the great unknown, people won't come to your church because of the great unknown. Yeah. But if you can start this process digitally, not only are they going to visit faster, but they're probably going to be uh, more engaged when they do visit right out of the gate because yeah. you've been able to nurture them and and speak to them directly about their own situation, their, their kids, uh, and, you know, and highlighting the children's ministry. Uh, you're going to be better off for it. Yeah. Well, it, you you said a couple of things. I, I like what you when you say when you talk about the great unknown. And if you think about just life in general, when you uh, where do you go get your oil changed? Uh, where do you go to get groceries? Usually, you go to what what you know. Yeah. Uh, it makes you feel comfortable because the brain doesn't have to think about this new place and these new people. Uh, you will go get your oil changed at the same place because you know that they do it in a timely manner and it's easy and it's convenient versus having to maybe save 10 bucks, but driving somewhere else and and just dealing with unknown variables. I think that's the same with with church. And so as you get them on this email list, you start nurturing them. Maybe they don't come right away, but maybe when Easter comes and they are like, okay, we're gonna go to church. They already uh, know what to expect. They know what to expect and they know where they're gonna go. I think that's important. And I think too, what what, you're advocating for and what I've been thinking more about lately is what should your church website be for? Now, a lot of people say, well, it's information about our church, but if you go to a person's website or church website, uh, most of it could be considered for insiders. So announcements, uh, information, which can be good, but I'm beginning to think that there, you know, there are so many apps out there where you can get people into small groups and you can send out announcements. People have church apps that should be for insiders and the website should be almost solely for visitors. And so it's, it's you nurturing them. It's so difficult. We go to church websites all the time because of the nature of our business. And there are sometimes where it's really difficult to actually find the Mm -hmm. address to the church. It's even more difficult if there are multiple campuses because they're like multiple campuses, one church. And then you're, I mean, it just becomes a mess. And so this is about gearing your website to your guests 
and then providing digital resources to to create that connection and that trust beforehand. And you're not going to make up the entire ground, sure. but if they know what to expect, they know you have stuff for kids, they know where to go when they drive in. I mean, so that can just help an incredible amount. And we don't think about it because we go to a church every week, we go to the same place every mm-hmm. week, and it just feels comfortable to us. But for people who don't go to your church, it's very uncomfortable, and it can even be confusing, despite having the right signage and, and the right materials. Uh, let's talk about a few other ideas that churches can use. So what well, we talked about, a, a, a resource for, for parents to, you know, five Bible stories to share with your kids. That's really easy. Your children's pastor can create that. That's I mean, you do that yeah. in a week, right? Uh, pastors, I, I still believe the sermon is the most underutilized piece of content in the church today. You spend 10 hours on average mm-hmm. every single week. You preach it, and then it goes on a podcast link, and then it's done, right? It's mm-hmm. on your files, or it's on the sermonary. Nice plug. <laughs> and... And it sits there. Well, let's say you did a sermon series on marriage, mm-hmm. right? You could have a marriage devotional series. Just take your sermon series and convert it down, right? Break it down to a two-week devotional series for couples. Mm-hmm. And someone downloads that, you know they're married. They want to strengthen their marriage, or maybe their marriage is in trouble. You can send them. Uh, specific emails, automated emails that have to do with marriage and strengthening your relationship between the spouse and the Lord. Uh, Let's say you did a sermon series on doubt. People have questions. Uh, You you lean into that. You create a five-day sermon series, a devotional series on doubt, you know, having doubts about God, about, you know, the Christian faith. Now you know what these people care about, right? If they opt in with their email address for this particular resource, you know what, where they're at. You know, sort of in a way their felt needs mm-hmm. and you that's a great starting place than just knowing hey I had we had 962 visitors at our church website on our church website last week or last month uh, great mm-hmm. but but now there's like tangible evidence right of who they are and where they're at and you can speak to that that evidence and begin to build trust and you're gonna see that people are gonna start showing up more first time guests they're not gonna you know, delay or procrastinate visiting mm-hmm. because they know what to expect. If they get an email from the pastor, uh, and it doesn't have to be your personal email pastor, but you could set up a, another email address, or if you wanted to use yours in the automation, great, right? Uh, depending on how you're able to respond to everybody where you're at um, in your season of ministry. But nonetheless, if people get that email, if they hear the story of the church, how it started, the, all of those things go a long way to building trust and and really laying out expectations for, for their first visit. Yeah, and I think, too, uh, so what we're talking about, too, is identifying your audience. And some of you might be confused. When, when you collect email addresses, there are platforms and um, programs where you can do list segmentation. So depending on where a person signs up, they get placed in a certain box. Mm-hmm. So if they sign up for a marriage devotional series or a, hey, I'm new to the community series, they get put in a different segment. And you want to separate those because you want to know you want to know where to send emails because if everybody goes in a bank like it usually happens, right. what happens is, is they might get a uh, email from the pastor every week, but it's just it's just announcements, and they're like, okay, there's a church potluck dinner. Like, yeah. nobody's going to go visit that for the first time. This is about being precise. It's about focused being with pre- your message. Being precise, and so when you do that, so when you know, hey. This is a list right here of people that have not visited the church, but they've just come in on the website, and here's my church people. 
you send your church people one thing and then you can send the other list something else. So that's what list segmentation is. And I think that's so important because you, you don't want to just send announcements that's like, hey, Easter and Christmas is great, but other stuff, you want to find a way to continue to build that trust. And two, with with a lot of Christians in our country, when we when we read about Christians in the news, usually it's it's people on the extremes, don't we? Um, mm-hmm. We either learn about the the ultra saints or we learn about the people who are just crazy wackos. And so you have to overcome that when people are visiting church. So like, what kind of church is this? So if you know someone's a guest, you can send them a marriage series, something clear, precise, gospel or Jesus focus. And so they realize, okay, th- these people aren't crazy. They, they they seem to be genuine in their faith. So it's all about messaging and continuing to build that trust. But yeah, you need to find a way to segment uh, those lists out. And there are a lot of different platforms that can help you do that. Yeah, and, and another thing, and, and I'll end it with this. I, I know we've talked a lot about list segments, you know, having these different channels, so to speak, mm-hmm. with your email uh, uh, list provider or sender. Let, maybe use MailChimp or Active Campaign, or I think Church Community Builder sends emails as well. Whatever the case, make sure that you're able to segment those out like what we was talking about, because you can focus messaging for focused people mm-hmm. groups. Uh, another way that you can build trust, and I know this is sort of a more expensive way, but I'm telling you, this is the fastest way to build trust. That is the most costly, but is the is the fastest way to build trust with your congregation, A, but also your community and new guests. Have you ever seen pastors that will release a book? Mm-hmm. They'll release a book or it's a, you know, they can take a sermon series and they make it into a book. And, and I know you've probably uh, seen, you know, this out there on social media and you thought, oh, that, you know, this pastors are being a little pretentious or whatever but think about this if you're able to take uh let's say you did two sermon series two years in a row on marriage and you did four weeks you have eight weeks of content on marriage and you 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 write a book or there are services out there that can help you edit that book as well to take the, all of that content that you have well then you weave the story of your own marriage of of how the church began you know your struggles as a young couple planning that church in a new community the struggles as being young parents like the, the church's story is weaved throughout and 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 what god has done right through your church and in the community throughout the years if someone shows up for the first time and you give them that book and they go home they literally can know your church history the story of your of your pastors yeah. the culture the the the, the dna of the church especially if they're a book reader, right? They like a good book and you wrote a good book. They could do it within two days. They could feel like they know you and your church and everything that you stand for within days. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the fastest way to build trust with uh, a person or potential, um, you know, your congregation. It's just the most costly. Yeah. Well, and there, there are ways around it. I think that's the best way too. Um, maybe what you need to do to start out is do a sermon series that's like two or three weeks long, and it's like the story of our church, uh, the history behind it, and what God wants to do in the future, and then you yeah. can email that out, and you can say, hey, here's a quick podcast that tells you a little bit about us. And once again, you're just you're, you're helping people manage their perceptions mm-hmm. of you and of Christians in general and of your church. And when they have that connection, ha- have you ever read... Um, a book, Justin, where someone talks about their life, like a memoir or something, and then you met that person. And I remember, uh, I think most Christians our age read uh, Blue Like Jazz. And yeah. I remember meeting Donald Miller once, and I felt like I knew him. Well, obviously, I didn't, right? And it was just a, a quick interaction. 
and uh, talked for just a moment, but I felt like I knew him and I had this connection to him because I learned his story. And so if you can share your story in your church with people uh, and, and help them, bring them along in the cause before they ever get to you, when they come in the doors, they feel like they kind of know you yeah. already and they know your congregation. That can be super helpful. Well, I had a, a pastor friend of mine that we would go to lunch all the time. We talk. Um, he actually wrote a book, sort of this personal memoir, and, his, you know, and um, I was able to learn his story. Mm-hmm. We're, he's not sharing that story at lunch, you know, over fajitas, right? But when I read that book, my appreciation for him, right, mm-hmm. and my respect for him grew anymore, grew even more because I hadn't known all of those things. We're just, you know, small talking when we get together. Yeah. And so maybe someone in your congregation, they feel like they know you a little bit, but if you're able to take some of your sermon content and make it into a book, even if it's an ebook, right? It's a free download, a PDF yeah. download on your, your church website. Uh, they're, they're going to feel like they know you. And when people feel like they know you, that trust process, that relationship, just that accelerates so much. Uh, you know, it can, at least over a short period of time as they're reading this book. So you yeah. can start with your website. We talked about that. Do five Bible stories, have your children's worker or your children's leader or your youth leader. You know, you can, I mean, literally it's like a buffet at your disposal of different types of uh, resources you can make available for free on your website to the different people groups. I, I think it would be important too to say, hey, uh, we we want to target parents with teenagers, parents with children, mm-hmm. you know, people that care about marriage, people that have questions about God, new people in the community. Like yeah. th- that's six different ideas. Mm-hmm. They have to give you their email address, but those are six different channels for you to have focused messaging, and you can make it all automated. You don't have to send out an email every time someone signs up, right? Yeah, it's all automated. It goes out. And yeah. You can control it. Uh, Mailchimp can do that really easily. Uh, but when you do that, you are going to build trust so much faster than waiting for them to come back every Sunday for the next year. Yeah, uh, once a month. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you're consistent in those emails after a person signs up, and make sure you're intentional. Like I mentioned. If you're sending everyone uh, an invitation for uh, the children's choir production, uh, that might not always be helpful, but yeah. you could send that to the parents, and, yeah. and that's helpful. So make sure you're intentional about that. Uh, I would love to hear your comments about this podcast episode. We've been getting some great comments on YouTube. Yeah. with some. Uh, I think my funniest or the funniest thread that we have is on sermon illustrations you shouldn't use, and people are giving us illustrations. Yeah. And there are a number uh, that I that I recognize. Oh, I've heard that a million times. Uh, we've had some great feedback, so make sure to leave a comment on this episode. If you have any questions about how to do this, leave a comment. We can try to help, uh, as well as I'm sure there are other pastors out there who can help too. So do that. If you're listening on iTunes, or maybe you're, you're listening on Stitcher or Spotify, uh, you can actually tweet us at Ministry Pass, and when you do that, we can also reply. So let us hear your thoughts and your comments, and, and hopefully your expertise can help the people in this community, and, and maybe the people in this community, maybe us, we can help you too. So we'd love to hear that. That, that was episode 30. Yeah. We're officially over the hill. Our best episodes are behind us. <laughs> our best episodes are behind us. But we're mature. Yeah, we're mature. We've, Hopefully. Yeah, our podcast is seasoned. Seasoned. 31 episodes in. We're, we're 30 and thriving right now. 30 and thriving. <laughs> what, do, can we get signs made in the back when we hit 40? Like, lordy, lordy. <laughs> Hello, churches, 40. Midlife crisis podcast episode. Yeah. We can do that. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll take a few rabbit trail episodes. <laughs> when we hit 40. Uh, Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time.